you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn me over to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5, as I was looking over this verse here, and I got to thinking to myself, you know, this is in my top 10 favorite verses. And I had to stop and think, it's actually probably in top 2 or 3 favorite verses in Scripture. But Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5, I invite you to stand with me if you're able, on a reading of God's Word. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. May God add blessing to the reading of his word. May be seated. In 1789, the government added the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution. And for time's sake, I'm only going to read part of it. If you're going to go home this afternoon and take a nap, read all of it, and that'll probably put you right off to sleep. But the couple of sentences here I'm going to uh, quote to you. It says, No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of the citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of the law. Our founding fathers, the, the men and women that founded this country, that formed our, our form of government, that, that wrote our constitution, that, that brought their beliefs to this nation, said that no American can be denied the right to live. The constitution says so. But in 1973, the Supreme Court put itself above God and the constitution. Roe versus Wade declared that the, an unborn person is not a person. An unborn person is not a citizen of the United States. That the 14th Amendment does not apply to anyone that is not born. A kicking, punching, moving human being with a heartbeat, brain activity, is able to feel pain, but is not a person just because they haven't been born, the Supreme Court says. Now, I'm no lawyer, never been to, to Harvard or, or Yale, but I do have a little bit of common sense. And to quote Eustace from Mountain Men, he said, the problem with, with common sense is it just isn't that common anymore. We live in a world that has double standards in our laws. Oh, you've got to hug a tree, but you can kill the unborn child. As it's getting the time of the year now, and Bronco will say an amen, it's time to get into the, to the deer stand, and as you're sitting there, you know, looking out, you know, where I'm sitting there, so there's some white oak trees around me. And this time of the year, they're, they're starting to drop the acorns. And as the acorns fall to the ground, and particularly over the rain we've had yesterday and today and tomorrow, this, the rain is going to start beating them into the ground. Or maybe an animal will come by and step on them and push them into the ground. But as it's there in the ground, it, it begins to sprout. There out of one side, a, a green shoot will come, and out of the other end, the roots will come popping out. But even though that acorn is in the ground, it's still considered life. Why doesn't the same logic apply to human life? Even though it's still in the, in the mother's womb, it's not considered life. When a tiny sperm meets a tiny egg, Life begins, the seedling of human life. At that moment that it, grow, it is conceived and begins to, to grow in its mother's womb. Oh, you mess with a sea turtle's egg and you're looking it up, up to $15,000 in fines and jail time. 
According to Wikipedia, just disturbing bald eagle eggs will cost you $250,000. But sea turtle eggs and eagle eggs are more important in, in people's lives, in too many people's lives, than the human egg it is in the mother's nest, in the mother's womb. I've seen, as you look at estimates on abortion, I've seen estimates as high as every, excuse me, one out of every four pregnancies in America ends in abortion. That's the high side that I've seen. We're looking at something here that is not a political issue. We're looking at a moral issue. We're looking at an issue of, of right and wrong. We're looking at an issue of, of sin. It's an issue of scripture. Like I said last week, you know, I, I love my right to, to bear arms. I love my right to be able to vote. I love to be able to, to think about the Christian principles that the, the men and the women that came to this country and founded this country that they had. But in my honest opinion, if anything is in this is going on in our nation today is going to bring judgment on America from God, it's going to be the subject of abortion and what we look at next week with same-sex marriages. In my opinion, that's what God's going to bring it on. Because every child that is conceived, God had a plan for. Whether that child is born or that child is aborted, God has a plan for it. We see the evidence of, of that in Scripture, as we looked at here in, in, in this verse in Jeremiah. God has a plan for every baby. Jeremiah's ministry takes place in the the last five decades of, of Judah's history before, before they are conquered by Babylon. He was in the ministry from 627 B.C., which was the 13th year of, of King Josiah. King Josiah was the last godly king that, that Judah would have. He took the throne when he was eight years old. And maybe that's, why, maybe that's our problem. Maybe we need to stop electing people that are close to, to 100 and start electing children. Maybe we're going to be in better shape. But he reigned for 31 years before being killed in battle against Egypt. But after King Josiah's passing, after, after his, his death on the battlefield, the nation quickly declined spiritually. They quickly slipped into to wickedness. They quickly slipped into to idolatry. And as the nation slipped away from God, it wasn't long before God delivered them into the hands of Babylon. He took his hand off of them. He took his hedge of protection from around them and allowed Babylon to come in and to conquer them and punish them for their sins. We see in verse 1 that Jeremiah was a priest. He and his father were, were biological descendants of Aaron, Moses' brother. But Jeremiah was not just a priest. He had the unique position that he was also a prophet. And a prophet spoke directly for God. First thing I want to look at this morning is God knows the unborn. Look back at the first half of verse number five there. God knows the unborn. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Let your heart marinate in that, that few, those few words for just a minute. Before I formed you in your womb, in mother's womb, I knew you. As you look at the Hebrew language there, the, the word for, for know is not a, an intellectual knowledge. It's not a knowledge of, of facts. You know, I, I feel, I, even though I never met Billy Graham, I, yeah, I almost at times feel like I knew him. 
You know, I've read several of his, his books and you know, studied his early life, studied his family life and his, his call to the ministry and seen countless crusades, as I'm sure many, most of you have looked at the way that he, he lived his life. But, you know, I lot, know a lot of the facts about him on paper. But did I know him really? No. The Hebrew word that he uses there for no doesn't mean knowing the, the facts and figures about somebody. You know, I, I know Jean pretty good. And I use her, for example, this morning because she's getting ready to make, make me some biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the type of knowing that God uses here in the Hebrew. God, here in the Hebrew, God uses the word no. It's the same word if you go back to, to Genesis and you look at Adam and Eve's relationship there and it says that, that Adam knew Eve. It's talking about a, an intimate knowledge. Now, Jeremiah is not using this word in a, in a sexual context, but he's, God is saying, Jeremiah, before I ever formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew every detail about you. I knew you deeply. I knew you personally. I knew your personality. I knew the, the fears that you would have in life. I knew the things that would bring you joy. I knew the things that, I knew everything about you that could, would ever be known. Again, let that seek in. God knows the unborn deeply and personally. You know, over the last, you know, my, over my 52 years, you know, I've gotten to, to know God more and more. But here in Jeremiah, God says, before I even formed you in the womb, I knew everything about you. Over the years, I've heard dozens and read dozens of, of stories similar to the one that I'm sharing here. But I recently finished Phil Robertson's book, Jesus Politics, so this one was, was easy to find for me. I'll share a couple of paragraphs with you. It says, if there was ever a woman dedicated to ending abortion, it's Miss Kay. With great regularity, she meets with women who have fallen on hard times. Women who sometimes find themselves just out of prison, down and out, sometimes addicted to drugs, and are on occasion pregnant. Time and time again, she counsel those, counsels those that turn up pregnant at the, and visit the Life Choices Pregnancy Resource Center in Monroe, a place that offers hope to unexpected mothers. Her reputation for choosing life is so well known in the community in fact, she often receives phone calls from friends of friends asking whether she'll intervene in the life of a mother who's considering abortion. Just a few weeks ago, Ms. Kay told me about one such story. It was a typical Sunday afternoon. She received a call from a friend, a manager at a retail department store who had overheard two women talking. One told the other she was pregnant and that it was unexpected. There was no support, the woman said, no money, no father to take care of the baby and she was considering an abortion. Miss Kay asked her friend to put down the phone and open up a conversation with the woman and invite her to visit Life Choices. The manager did what Miss Kay asked and a few minutes later picked up the line and asked Miss Kay to meet her at the resource center in 30 minutes. Miss Kay hung up the phone and called Life Choices and found out they were getting ready to close for the day. Robertsons don't take no for an answer when it comes to human life. So Miss Kay told the woman on the line that closing was not an option. A life was on the line and she expected a counselor who could perform an ultrasound to be there when she showed up in a few minutes. The woman at the center agreed and she'd find a tech as soon as she could and she'd be waiting for the pregnant woman and Miss Kay. So Miss Kay grabbed her keys and headed to town. 
Sure enough, the manager and the expected mom showed up at Life Choices shortly after Miss Kay arrived there. The pregnant woman shared a story, her shared a fear and her confusion. confusion. Miss Kay and the folks at the center assured her that there were resources available to help her carry the baby to term and to keep the baby. And if she didn't want to keep the baby, there were those who would love to adopt the newborn. The woman listened and agreed to an ultrasound. And they all heard the heartbeat. And that was that. A woman made up her mind, how could she execute something with a heartbeat? A citizen of the kingdom had overheard a conversation influenced by the evil one and sprang into action. The result was one less life added to the genocide census and one more life given the opportunity to commune with the Almighty. Now when we look at ultrasounds, you know, we can often, if the baby cooperates, tell what, what sex of the baby is. Sometimes you'll look at it there and you say, oh, he, he's got your nose. Or at times it's, oh, he's got your nose. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, she's got your chin. Or she's got your, your smile. And when we hear the, the heartbeat, you can begin to, to know your child to a, a certain extent. But God says, I know that unborn deeply and personally, even before they were conceived. And beloved, that should cause us to tremble in our shoes that nearly 60 million babies in America alone have been killed that God knew deeply and intimately and personally. Second thing I will look at this morning is God has a plan for the unborn. God has a plan for the unborn. Go back to verse number 5 there. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. God told Jeremiah, said, even before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I had a plan for your life. I had everything planned out for your life. Before he was born, God had a design for Jeremiah's life. Over in Amos chapter 3, verse number 2, just looking at the, the first half of it there, God's speaking, he says, you know, you only have I chosen among all the families of the earth. God has a plan for every life. He has a plan for your life. Each and every one of you sitting here, God, since before you were conceived, had a plan and a purpose for your life. God has a plan for the unborn's life as well. And abortion snuffs out God's plan. Birth is God's purpose for bringing about his plan. Look at when Israel was looking for the Messiah. They were looking for Jesus to come. They were looking for the, the sky to split open. They were looking for Jesus to come riding in on a war horse. They were looking for, for chariots of, of angels to come following in behind him. They were looking for him to, to defeat Satan and sit upon the throne of Israel. That's why they missed him. How did God send the Messiah? Through a simple birth. God has a plan for the unborn. And anybody that kills a baby in the womb is killing somebody that God had a plan for, that God had a purpose for. Third thing I want to look at this morning is where does life come from? Where does life come from? Going back to the first, first few words of verse number five there. Before I formed you in the womb. Read that out loud with me. Before I formed you. Where does life come from? God. God says, I formed you in your mother's womb. 
evolutionists will tell you that, that life came from life, lightning striking a, a primordial swamp. Evolutionists will tell you, you know, that there was a, a big bang and all of a sudden there was, there was life where there was no life before. And they want us to believe it. They teach, us, teach it in school to cover up the truth. The fact that life comes from God. And beloved, that should mean, it should mean something to everybody, but it should mean something really deep to each and every one of us, that God is the one that gives us life. According to Axios.com, Joe Biden believes that Roe versus, Wade, Roe versus Wade is the law of the land and should not be overturned. He plans to restore federal funding to Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is an, is an organization that is estimated aids with 330,000 abortions a year. If Biden's elected and doesn't finish his term, Harris is more in support of abortion than he is. Where President Trump has appointed Supreme Court justices and continues to attempt to support Supreme Court justices that are pro-life. They overturn Roe v. Wade. According to AmericaMagazine.com, <clears throat> if we can get Roe versus Wade overturned, then it would go back to the, to the individual states to decide what the law is. And as I mentioned last week, according to the article in the News and Observer, Roy, Roy Cooper, our governor, is for abortion. And any child that survives the abortion process, the, the Senate tried to pass a law to, to, to provide them with health care, to be able to provide them with life. But Roy Cooper shot down the bill, and the only doctors can help him is the ones that just tried to kill him. According to the Charlotte Observer, Roy Cooper's law would knowingly set aside a baby to die. Know who you're voting for. Know what you're voting for. Where Republican candidate Dan Forrest is pro-life, against abortion, and considered to be more pro-life than any other candidate that's in North Carolina, regardless of what they're running for. A Christian cannot support anybody that supports abortion. A Christian cannot support anybody that is working to kill an innocent child. And anybody can get mad at that that wants to. God is the one that gives life. Woe to the one that kills something, somebody that God created. Woe to the one that, that God has got a plan and a purpose for their life. But they snuff it out. Over in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, we see, you know, a very familiar verses there of, of how important children are to Jesus, how, what they meant to, to him. Over in Mark 10, uh, 13 and 14, it says, and they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such of these. Children have a special place in God's heart. He's already got a plan for them, already got a purpose for them before they're born. And woe to those that hurts somebody that God has got a purpose for. Fourth thing I want to look at this morning, and the last, last one we're going to look at, is the unborn have feelings. The unborn have feelings. Over in Luke chapter 1, verses 
verses 41 there. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it came about that when Elizabeth had heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Here in these verses, Zacharias and, and Elizabeth are, are pregnant. Both of them are way up in their age now. Neither one of them, they've never had a child at this point. They're pregnant with their first child. And you know the story, when the child is, is born, this is going to be John the Baptist. Well, Mary and uh, Elizabeth are, are first cousins. And once Mary gets pregnant with Jesus, she, she goes to visit her cousin, goes over to, to see her, to talk over you know, pregnancy stories and talk about cravings and everything else that, that goes along with it. And as Mary goes in to visit her cousin, as soon as, as Elizabeth throws the door open, as soon as Mary steps across the threshold there, we see that the, same, the moment that the two of them are in the same room, little baby John the Baptist in his mother's womb jumps. He heard his cousin's voice. He felt the presence of Jesus there. Babies in the womb have feelings. According to Daily News UK, Advances in ultrasounds now show that babies in the womb smile, cry, blink their eyes, and show facial expression. Look at the picture there, Anthony, please. Look at that smile. All right, next one. Smiling ear to ear. Fun fact. While these ultrasounds were taken, the mother was watching my midweek pick-me-up. <laughs> but John the Baptist was just like every other child in the womb has feelings so you know what that means in the womb has feelings according to Charlotte Lozier Institute studies have proven that babies in the womb as young as 12 weeks old feel pain a Utah law requires abortion doctors to give unborn babies 20 weeks and older anesthesia so they don't feel the pain of being aborted. According to Wisconsin Right for Life, babies in the womb at, at 20 weeks old can react to, to light outside of the mother's outside of the womb, They're outside of the mother's stomach. They can react to sound outside of the, the mother's stomach. They can react to somebody touching the mother's stomach. Studies have shown that you can take something as small and as thin as a human hair and at 20 weeks after conception, run it across that baby's hand and that baby will feel it and grab a hold to it. Yet, abortion doctors watch unborn babies flinch, jerk, and recoil from the abortion tools. Dr. Paul Rinaldi, neurologist from the University of Toronto, said, in fact, unborn babies probably feel pain more intensely than we as adults. Dr. David Bernbach, president, president of the Society of Obstetric Anesthesia, said on occasion we need to administer anesthesia directly to the fetus because even at the early gestation ages, the fetus moves away from pain. Having to put the unborn to sleep to keep them from moving away from the pain of being killed. <clears throat> One last quote from the Wisconsin Right for Life. Despite the unborn child's development at 20 weeks gestation, the following painful abortion method is used. <clears throat> Dilation and evacuation. 
Sharp-edged instruments are used to grasp, twist, and tear the baby's bodies into pieces, which are removed from the womb. A Christian cannot vote for anybody that supports this, regardless of anything else that's going on. Know who you're voting for. Know what you are standing for. Pray for our nation. Again, it's <clears throat> my opinion, and I'll probably say it again next week. I said it last week. If God is going to bring judgment on America, it's going to be over, over killing babies and over, over same-sex marriages. Be in prayer. Stand up for what's right. Stand against what's wrong. And get out and vote for those with godly standards. Will you pray with me? Father, we <clears throat> realize that this is some uh, heavy stuff, Lord. Father, we pray that it does weigh on our hearts. And Father, again, we, we as the, the church has sat idly by too long. And Father, we just pray that you will convict us, Lord, to, to make a difference, Father, to, to stand up, Father, to have our, our voices heard. <clears throat> and Father, to, to proclaim, Lord, that you have a, a plan and a purpose for that child, even if the, the mother and father didn't have a, a, a purpose or a plan, you do. And Father, we just pray that we always are trusting in, in your goodwill, knowing that you know better than we do, and Father, knowing that, that ultimately, as we, we saw there in the, those verses, Lord, if we don't take anything else from it, but to realize that, that you are the giver of life. There's no accident, Father. We aren't here by some random series of events or some chance accident, Father, but you, you are the one that gives life. And, Father, we should, should treat it as something that is, that is holy and special. And, Father, again, we just ask that you'll burden our hearts to always do what is right. And, Father, to be able to, to have our, our voices heard. And, Father, and more importantly than that, have Scripture proclaimed. Father, we just pray for this upcoming week. And, Lord, just ask that we'll always put you first no matter what comes up. And we pray things in Christ Jesus' Savior's name. Amen. Keep looking up. Jesus Christ is coming back, and today is good a day as any.